getting murdered. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record, hope got another surface. Good afternoon and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Big thanks to Carlton Zeus for that music intro. You can hit him up at carltonzeus.com and on Apple Music. Hey, we know everybody has uh, has a lot going on. We really, really appreciate your time. Uh, that you're taking to listen to us and, uh, and engage with us on our on our social media platforms. Well, everybody know this is a, an extremely special episode that we have lined up for you. We've got Joe Dillon, the 1997 Big 12 Player of the Year, member of the Texas Tech Baseball Hall of Fame, World Series champion, Washington Nationals, and now the hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. Before we kick this off, though, we want to take a minute and promote a small business called American Aero Designs. American Aero Designs is an apparel company based out of East Texas. They specialize in men and women, custom apparel, and accessories. Check them out on Facebook, and you can also find them online at www.americanarodesigns.com. Head on over, check them out, support a small business, and some great people. All right, everybody, so as we mentioned before, we have an incredibly special guest on with us today, Joe Dillon, the hitting coach of the Philadelphia Phillies. Hey, we're incredibly uh, humbled that Joe took a, took a little time out of his day to uh, to talk to us, and you know, tell us a little bit about his story. You know, where he came from and, and how he got to uh, to you know to where he's at. Um, Joe, again, we really really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, we know you're uh, we know you're taking some some time off, and, you know, spending time reconnecting with the family and everything. Um, you know, we kind of want to start with, you know, kind of where and, and, you know, how you grew up, what, you know, really what got you, you know, into baseball as a kid and, uh, you know, and kind of where that, where that took you. For sure. Well, first of all, I don't know how special I am for you to have you guys to have me on, but, you know, I, I appreciate uh, you guys asked me to be on and um, also appreciate you guys for all your service to the country. And, you know, it's, I think something that's not not said enough to the people that serve our country and and keep it safe and allow us to do things we're able to do. So I wanted to mention that to you guys as well. Um, so going into question one, there um, kind of the history. I grew up in Northern California, Santa Rosa, um, about 45 minutes north of San Francisco. Um, back you know back then, as California is more of a you know soccer state, you know, and obviously. Football, basketball, baseball—you know the normal stuff. Um, but my my dad was a football player, and so he he was a quarterback. He was uh, he was apparently he was pretty good based on what he tells me and some of the stuff that my mom <laughs> says. But uh, he he was in junior college. He was actually going to San Diego State on a scholarship um, after junior college. And like his last game, he was rolling out left through right. Guy hit him in the knee, ACL, MCL. You know, back then that's that's a career ender. And so, with his football career went mine. My mom didn't let me. She had no no interest in me playing football after she's mm-hmm. seen what my dad had gone through. So, for me growing up, it was uh, it was a lot of soccer, uh, baseball, and a little bit of basketball. Um, you know, ironically, I was kind of, I was a late bloomer physically. I was you know graduated at seventeen. You know, kind of back then, you know, the parents couldn't afford, you know, childcare. They tried to get you out of childcare as quick as possible and get you into school. So, uh, grad, you know, they started me in school early, you know, kind of hurts your athletic career a little bit. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, so, ironically, I had a, scholarship, a soccer scholarship out of high school, not baseball. Mm. Um, and all, all the re- only reason why I played soccer was because mom loved it and she wanted me to continue to play. I'd played so long and we, you know, they invested a bunch of money when I was younger and, um, you know, so my last 
once I got to high school, it was just soccer and baseball only. Um, and then, you know, going through that. So obviously baseball was my, my passion. So I, you know, I sh- shut down the soccer. I went to my local junior college, Santa Rosa junior college, played junior college baseball there, uh, for two years. Um, end up, you know, after my sophomore year, I had a good sophomore year, um, had opportunity to go to Long Beach state or Texas tech, you know, obviously I chose Texas tech, um, ended up there. You know, that's where the connection with Luke comes into play there. Um, you know, also being from Luke, being from Amarillo, my wife's from Amarillo. So there's our, there's our connection there. But, um, so going through Texas tech, um, had a blast really, uh, college town baseball, you know, in junior college, we had no fans, you know, it's California junior college back then, not, not, not much exposure. So going to big college town, whatever sports in town, that's, that's it. So we had a blast, um, you know, I end up having a good couple of years, end up getting drafted by the Royals in the seventh round. Um, you know, I think this is kind of leading in, in some other questions you guys have, but uh, I ended up playing 97 draft and then I played till 2001 or through 2000, through, through 2002 and it had back problems, had some back issues. So I ended up retiring from baseball after 2002. I went back to tech, got my degree, was coaching. And so that's kind of the first taste of coaching that I that I got into and um, had back surgery, fixed it um, on the urge of some ex teammates and coaches to go back and play. I did um, didn't go over too well with with Tiller, with my wife, Tillery, when I told her I was wanting to go back and play. <laughs> we, were, we were scraping by and, you know, I'm sure you guys are aware you don't make much money in the minor leagues. And we had already uh, tried that, you know, for five years about, you know, she was. She's working part time and Dillard's, you know, following me around, making more money mm. than I was playing every day. Damn. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, people don't realize, but it, it took me seven years before I made over seventy or over twenty thousand dollars playing baseball. Wow! So it's not all the glitz and glam that that people think. You know, obviously the guys make a ton of money in the in the major leagues and some of the big contracts, and you know, it, it, I'm in it, so I think it's deserved as a piece of the pie, and you know and what they go through in the minor leagues. But anyway, that's a different conversation. So <laughs> anyway, I went back and played and um, came back with uh, the Florida Marlins, you know, as a late, basically as a late sign to protect some young hitters. I was 20, 27, I believe at the time and ended up being their minor league player of the year. Uh, next year made it to the big leagues in 2005, 2006. We went to Japan, played a year in Japan, um, came back, 2007 with the Brewers. Um, second half 2007 made the big leagues with the Brewers. All of 2008 pretty much, and then got traded to Tampa 2009. Played for first couple months uh, with Tampa Bay, and then uh, finished 2009 in AAA in Durham, and and then uh, 2010 was my last year at 35. I played the whole year in AAA, and and uh, ended up shutting it down after that year. How so? Yeah, absolutely. How did you guys, you and your wife, kind of? Because that's one of the things that resonates with you know w- with professional sports players. And that's one of the things kind of you know resonates in, in things that you know the the military side of the audience is you know interested in that work life balance, right? So you know you're playing in the minor leagues. You know you're you know 
you're and yeah, minor league players don't get paid a lot. You're moving around a lot. You know, you're you're dealing with you know some nagging injuries. Like how how, how do you get through that? What are some of the things that you and your wife did? You know that kind of you know that because a lot of people don't make it through that. Um, you know together. So what what were some of the things that you guys focused on to you know to make sure to build those bonds and that that make sure that family unit stayed intact? Yeah, I think I think you know number one obviously it takes a special a special woman to to get into this this lifestyle. Um, you know she's actually she's basically you know putting on hold any goals or aspirations that she has. You know she worked her worked her butt off, put herself through college, and then you know once she graduates she's following me around the country. You know trying to pursue my dream. You know she's basically the breadwinner, working part time at at places and um, you know. It takes a special person, number one. Number two, she knew what she was getting into. I mean, she she uh, was was around baseball a little bit, and then you know we were friends before we ever started dating. So she kind of knew we. She knew that something I wanted to do, and we had you know some obviously some friends as well, some teammates of mine that went on to play pro ball. So we kind of knew a little bit of what the life is. You don't know until you dive in. Um, but she knew what she was signing up for, and. And she was all in, and um, you know she's 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 a special woman and you know wonderful mother, and she's been supportive the whole time, and um, you know it's that's that's just what it takes. It it takes a lot of sacrifice on 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 her end, and uh, you know putting me you know my dreams and the family you know obviously number one, and, and that's what it takes to make it work. Hey Joe, you know that's that sound like like Josh said. It sounds like there's a lot of parallels between the two. You know moving around you know, on the road a lot. And, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners, uh, are going to appreciate that. I, I kind of have something also, you know, a little parallel between professional sports and uh, the community we've worked with in the military quite a bit. And, uh, forgive me for the long winded question, but I'll kind of set it up for you. You know, a lot of times, uh, we work with some high octane individuals who the lifestyle is very demanding on them. They have to, you know, full peak performance at all times. Uh, in that way, I'll say it's like a kind of like a professional athlete where it's like, okay, you have to perform. And at the moment you stop, you start falling off and you can't perform anymore. It's time to let that go. And for a lot of, a lot of guys in the military, and I imagine it's the exact same way as sports. That is a very hard transition to make. It's like, well, my mind still wants to do it. I love it. You know, it's, it's what I feel like I was born to do, but my body physically can't perform. So the question I have of you is, you know, I, how do, could you describe like how athletes deal with that? Uh, maybe yourself, maybe things you've seen, could you kind of give us, you know, some strategies to the audience on how to deal with, with that type of transition? For sure. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of parallels for sure. I mean, it's, you know, obviously the stakes are a lot higher in the military, you know, you, you don't, you, the difference between, you know, success and failure is life and death, right? Where obviously we don't have that. Um, you know, it's more livelihood and, and the ability to take care of your family. And, and there's so many people, you know, for certain players, for sure, there's so many people relying on them to perform, you know, especially some of the Latin players that, are, you know, they're coming from poverty and like their whole family and their families' families are all relying on them to go perform and provide financially, you know, for their whole family. And if they do, it's going to set their families up and their families' families up for generations. So, you know, there's a lot of layers that go on top of that. Um, but strictly from a performance perspective, I, I think it's, you know, and I'm sure you guys can relate, 
you know, from a coaching perspective, it's really getting the guys to just really stay process oriented, focus on the process. Um, you know, you get caught up with the emotion, the motions and the motion of, of, of the results. That's when things can kind of get, get away from you. You know, I mean, it's it's really, especially in baseball. I mean, that's why I think baseball is the best game in, in the world because there's, it's, you know, especially from a hitting hitting perspective, you know, you're based, it's all based off of failure and how you can handle failure, how you rebound from failure, right? I mean, you you fail seven out of 10 times, you're, you know, you've got a chance to play in the Hall of Fame if you play long enough, right? And I mean, what, what other sport or what other aspect of life can you do that, right? It doesn't happen that way. You know, in the military, you fail seven out of 10 times, you're, you know, you... <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of going to be a lot of, you know, I don't want to go there or whatever, what, what could happen, but it wouldn't be good for anybody. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, that's, that's the fine line, but it's, you know, getting the guys to focus on the process and, and, and stick with the routines and, and be able to, you know, remanufacture confidence when they do fail. You know, those, those are all the things that, that are, that are really tough. And, you know, that's what it takes. It takes special people, special individuals. I think, you know, the high end of the military, it's, you know, from a, you know, cognitive perspective, the ability to make really quick, fast, accurate decisions in what's going on. I mean, that's a lot of the same things in baseball as a hitter. You know, these guys are elite, not only elite physical athletes, but they're elite cognitive athletes, you know, where they're, these guys can process information extremely, extremely fast. And you know, I know you guys, the military deals with that, you know, high end branches of the military. Yeah, no, and that's a, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, a fantastic point, you know, especially from players, you know, coming from incredibly poor countries, you know, where that like, that truly is. And even for them, you know, and for their families, that could mean the difference between, you know, whether they're going to, you know, live in poverty or, or you know, possibly worse and, uh, you know, whether they're going to they're going to make it. Um, you know, so you talk about that, you know, keeping guys focused on, you know, focused on the process. Um, so at what point, you know, did, did you kind of see yourself, you know, and now as a coach, how, you know, what are some of the things that you do to stay, you know, to keep your players focused on that process? Uh, I mean, I think it's a lot of it, you know, there's kind of the way I approach it. I, I kind of look at my guys and, and I basically take each guy and, and compartmentalize into three buckets. So I got like a physical bucket. So when we're we're working on the physical, so it's basically training the neck down, right? We're working on their mechanics of their swing, kind of the physical piece of that. And then, you know, then we got the cognitive bucket. So their decision making, right? We're we're trying to train them and make better decisions. It's all about, you know, hitting is all about decisions, right? The we make good decisions, we swing it swing good pitches to hit, you know, we're gonna make harder contact, make harder contact, you're gonna, you know, obviously be more productive for your team and yourself. Um, and then the third piece is the human element, right? That's, that's kind of the makeup of, of the guy, how you need to handle that individual. Um, you know, you can, you know, guys either need to be kicked in the butt, patted on the butt or a combination of both. So, you know, that's where you kind of build that personal relationship with the guys and, and you, and you build that trust. And then you kind of understand as a coach, how to deal with that individual player. And, you know, it's so, it's so individualized. You know, the, the more I learn, the more I've, realize what I don't know. And the more I realize how individualized everybody is. Right. Um, you know, so I've been blessed. I've been around some really good coaches and some really good players. Um, and, and the more and more I learn, the more I realize how much everybody's different. And, and then that's kind of where I think the art of coaching comes in and you got to get that player to understand what he needs to do to be successful for him. Cause it's, you know, our, our culture is a copycat culture, right? Everybody wants to be Mike Trout or, 
or Bryce Harper or whoever, right? But if unless you move like them and unless you can process information like them, you're you're probably going to set yourself up for failure. So really, really uh, embracing the individuality and who you are, your strengths and weaknesses, and and build on those things. I think that's that's the the way we attack attack it with our guys. Hey, Joe, this is Roger. I want to kind of uh, talk to you a little bit about the World Series run. So, one, huge fan because uh, growing up, I was a Montreal Expos fan. And, um, you know, I go back to like the Gary Carter years, and, and we didn't do a whole lot of winning, uh, you know, <laughs> in Montreal. So, once they became the Nationals, it was kind of nice to actually bring a title. But uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, on the topic of pressure as far as, you know, how that, that pressure increased during a World Series run? Uh, you know, things that specific players felt, maybe things that they do, uh, things that you help them to, to cope with those pressures. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of, one of the things we try to do as a coaching staff is not change anything. So we try to prepare the same way. It's just another game, right? So the regular season is 162. We just got to, all right, now we're going to play 163, 164, 165. Keep going, right? Try to win series just like treat it like it is it, it, we do in the regular season. And, you know, it, it all comes down to the players, the, the players that can, can handle that and slow, keep, continue to keep the game slow, slow down and, and execute on the field. You know, those are the teams are going to win. And um, it, was, it was really neat to see last year. So this year is my 20th year in professional baseball. And last year was the closest knit group that I've ever seen as a player or a coach. I mean, there was, it was special the, all the guys got along there's no, there's no clicks, you know, all the, every, all the different, you know, you got, you got so many different walks of life on a team from different countries, from different parts of the country, you know, old, young, new superstars, you know, rookies and everybody, everybody genuinely loved each other. And, um, you know, I think the whole baseball world was kind of scared of us because they knew once, we, if we got healthy and got on a roll, we were capable of doing exactly what we did. And, you know, from a coaching staff perspective, we try to keep it as normal as possible. We kept every, the daily routines the same and so on and so forth. You know, the, really the only difference is from, from our perspective is, is, is the, really the media presence, right? So the, from a regular season game, the, really the only difference is the media. There's tons of media everywhere, and it gets more and more each, each round you go, go, go through. And then um, obviously the fans, you're, every game sold out and it's crazy and electric and all those things. And you, you'll run into a few games like that during the season with a big rival on a, on a weekend or whatever. So you get a taste of that some places, but you know, the playoffs is a whole different animal. I mean, it's just a whole nother electricity level. And, and that's why these guys, you know, they're the best in the world at what they do and they're able to control that environment and continue to perform and be consistent with what they do. Hey Joe, yeah, great, uh, great points um, on that. You know, as far as like the pressure, keeping everything the same. Uh, you, there are definitely some parallels. You know, in on, on the military side of that, you know, you you prepare for you know the mission. You 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 know you run through your you know your your pre combat inspections, pre combat checks. You know, the the same as you would for you know going out on a routine resupply run to you would you know going out on a direct action mission. Um, so it, definitely a lot of parallels to draw. So I got to so, so I got to ask like. So there, you guys got off to a slow start, um, you know, the season. At, at what point in the season did you guys kind of realize, um, hey, we like we have an opportunity to, you know, to win this? Um, I think, you know, 
even even the spring training, you look around and you looked at our pitching staff and you, know, you looked at our lineup. Um, you know, we we felt we had a really good shot to compete. You know, c- coming out of spring training, and then you know, then the season happens, one sixty two, and you're done with humans and guys get hurt, and you know, we had freak injuries, we had normal, you know, normal stuff, and you know, the problem with us is it all bunched up early in the season, and you know, I, I remember we had a series in Milwaukee. Um, we literally had like two regulars in our starting lineup. You know, we had like half the AAA team was up playing and, you know, it, it was a bad spot. I mean, we, you know, the, a lot of people, unless you're a DC fan, you don't, don't hear it or didn't see it. But I mean, there's, there's rumblings about the, you know, coaching staff getting fired and a lot of things happened. I think we we're at 19 and 31 at the end of May. And we had like a point, like a point one chance to win the pennant or whatever. Right. And yep. so that's why math, math, right? You, when you're dealing with humans, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but, you know, just the way baseball goes, you know, guys, guys started, we, we started getting healthy and guys started performing up, up their abilities. And, you know, we got hot and that's what baseball is all about, getting hot at the right times. And, and, you know, that was, that was something that happened. And, you know, for me, honestly, like, I, I, I really don't get nervous as a coach anymore, you know, or I, as a coach, I don't get nervous really watching the games. Um, and then I was a little bit nervous in the wild card game. And then I was a little bit nervous in game five against the Dodgers. And after we won that game against the Dodgers, I honestly, I had like an easy feeling. Like I, I've just had that gut feeling like we're going to, we're, we're going to win this thing. And, you know, we go into sweep St. Louis. Then we win the first two against Houston. I'm like, we're going to sweep right through this whole thing. And then obviously it didn't go that way, but (laughs) I still, even after we lost the next three in DC, I still had, I still felt like we were going to do it. You know, I just had an easy feeling about it. I just had, for whatever reason, I just kind of had some calmness over me and I'm like, these guys are going to do it. Yeah. I tell you, man, I, you know, again, I'm a, uh, I'm a huge Braves fan. I've been, I've been watching the Braves since, you know, I was, I was a little kid. Um, and, you know, but one thing I, you know, I love baseball and, you know, unfortunately I don't get to watch the Braves a lot in the postseason um, after the nineties. <laughs> um, but, you know, great teams, great teams find a way to win, um, you know, and you guys, you know, you were, you were trailing in the wild card game. Um, you know, you came back and won that you were trailing, you know, in the, in the final game of the division series, you know, against the dot, you came back and won that, um, you know, and then, Right, you know, Game Seven World Series, like you know, that's every it's every kid's dream, um, you know, to come out there. And uh, how did you feel after after Howie's uh, two run homer that, that that put you guys ahead? Um, what, what was the what was the temperature and the energy like uh, in the dugout then? It was it was electric for sure. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of weird because you're you know you're at the you know, obviously we're, we're the visiting team there. And so, you know, you kind of, the, there was, we, there, there wasn't a ton of national fans, but the ones that were there were, I mean, obviously they went nuts and the rest of the stadium went silent. Right. And the dugouts going complete, complete bananas. And, you know, Howie Kendrick is, he's one of my favorite players I've ever been around. He's, he, you know, he's, he's in his mid to later thirties and, you know, he, people don't realize this cause he doesn't qualify but he had an injury in 18 and then obviously he was healthy last year, but he, he led, he's led the league in hitting the last, if you combine the last two years, he's, he's led the league in hitting. He's like, yeah. I want to like 340 something like 348 or something. Like, I don't know exact numbers on it right now off the top of my head, but 
know, he's led the league in hitting, and this guy works. He's an animal. He's he's the first one on the field every day. You know, he's very, very routine-oriented. He's very diligent in his work, and he works his tail off. And he's a good teammate. He's a good person. He's a good, good dad, good husband. You know, and so when you get guys like that, that get to get get in those moments, you know, he he's been waiting his whole career to to play in the World Series and the playoffs. And you know, he's he he I think he played in the playoffs a couple times, but you know, this is his first time really going deep in the playoffs and then getting the opportunity to to deliver. And you know, the, obviously the, the 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 Grand Slam against the Dodgers and then the two run home run against Houston. It's just like you know, he those guys you feel there's a lot of sex, satisfaction for those types of guys that get that opportunity finally when they. They've grinded their whole career, and then they get that opportunity, and they and they seize seize the moment and and deliver and perform, and you know it's just fun to watch because he's he's pretty, you know you saw him both home big, both big home runs, you see some fist pump and the motion come out, and he's really not he's he's pretty stoic and pro as you get, you know throughout the course of the season, so it's pretty neat to see those guys you know come out of their shell a little bit and let let some emotion show on those big moments when they perform. Hey, I get the World Series is important and all that, Joe, you know, but. As a Texas Tech fan, uh, and my dad especially, the lifelong Tech, he went to Tech also. You know, we don't care about the World Series. We care about, you know, Texas Tech. And so it's kind of a two-pronged <laughs> question. So I'm going to backpedal back to your collegiate career there. So first, two, two questions. Num- number one, you know, you said Long Beach State or Texas Tech. Okay, so was it, was it the Texas Tech recruiters that got you to come on or was it the dust storms, the wind, and the strip? Okay, that's question one. <laughs> And, and question two, uh, you know, I, I wanted to put up, put up there, uh, you know, in bold letters, you know, Texas Tech Baseball Hall of Fame, number one. But could you ever see yourself, you know, maybe ending up back at Tech down the road or something? Um, that's really not on my radar right now. I wouldn't I, I never rule anything out. But, um, you know, they, they got a good program going right now. They're, you know, I think uh, Coach Tadlock's locked in for several years. They've, they've been on a really good run. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd never say no, but that's really not on, on the radar anytime soon for sure. Um, but going back to question one would be uh, definitely, definitely the wind and 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 the mud rainstorms when it's blowing dust and then it start raining and and, and rain mud on you. That was oh, that's man. really what sold, that's really what sold me. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, like I. I didn't get recruited until really late in my sophomore year and Long Beach State came on like literally the last two weeks of the season, you know, there's, you don't have, you don't have the exposure and, and everything like you do nowadays. I mean, pretty much you, you're, anybody's going to be seen no matter what school you go to, if you're really good back then, it wasn't, it wasn't that the case so much. And so, you know, Long Beach State came in late in the picture is like the second last week of the season. Um, they knew nobody was on me. And so they made me an offer and then, Tech actually came in. They they didn't they denied. They said they came to watch me, which they didn't. They came to watch my buddy pitch. He's like six <laughs> left-handed pitcher. You know, pretty much every school in the country was on him, and they saw me play. And then then they started recruiting me. So they they brought me out to Tech the next weekend. And I think they won. It was ninety ninety five. They won the the Southwest Conference. And so mm-hmm. I actually got I actually was there on my recruiting trip when they when they did that. So was, what was your wife one of the recruiters back then? She was she. I think she was, but I think she did more of the football team. Uh, okay, okay. Well, she, she made the right choice. Yeah, I don't think she was doing the baseball team at that. At Bam, that. Bam Morris or Joe Dillon? I mean, come right. on. She made the right call. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Um, so he, 
going back there, I'm I'm trying to think of, you know, I I'll, I will have to say that the scenery around campus did, definitely didn't hurt anything. Yeah, that's no joke. My wife went to Texas. I don't know what it is about West Texas, but there's some, you know, there a lot of beautiful women there in West Texas. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If they, they grow them a little differently. Good basketball players and and beautiful women. I don't know what what it is with the women there, but it's uh that definitely that definitely didn't hurt hurt the deal. But ultimately for me, it was, you know, I wanted to go to a college town, and obviously Lubbock is that, and Long Beach State's a commuter commuter school. Even though they're you know obviously a great baseball program, I was, you know, I was flattered they want me to come there, but. You know, tech was definitely a better fit for me personally. Great. So now I've got to hear Luke uh, talk about the next week about how great uh, Texas Tech is. I got a two-part question. And one, you know, I, I remember as a kid when uh, somebody did an interview with Pete Sampras. And, you know, this is one of the most uh, – It just this question really stuck out for me. So the first one is, how freaking cool is it to have been a Major League Baseball player and to be in Major League Baseball now? I, you know, in my mind, and I'm a huge sports fan, uh, it's just very hard to fathom to be at that level. I mean, just personally, you know, personal gratification, personal success. And then finally, uh, you know, what's after baseball? Do you know if uh, you continue coaching? Do you go off and are there, you know, some other things that you've got that you want to do in life or, you know, what's next? Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know, being a major league baseball is, is, it's, I mean, that's kind of what I grew, I dream, grew up dreaming to do. And to be able to accomplish that, those dreams is awesome. Um, you know, I think in the road that, it, that I took to get there was, you know, a lot different than, uh, than most people. I think, you know, kind of my story of going back to school and coaching and coming back, um, you know, kind of, I, people would tease me a little bit and I'd, I'd kind of say, say the same thing, but remember the, the Disney movie, the rookie with the pitcher that came back from coaching, yep. like that mm-hmm. happened like right around like a year or two before I did. I'm like, I'm like, man, if that guy didn't come back and pitch, that could have been me in the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, uh, so, so that, that was kind of a wild ride as well, but, um, no, it's, it's great. I mean, I think it's, you know, the quality of people in professional baseball are, you know, cream of the crop and I didn't re- the first time I realized that when after 2010 was my last year playing and so when I got done you know I'm like all right I got to do what I love to do you know for 35 years I want to be home I want to be a husband I want to be dad you know and I, I got a pharmaceutical sales job I was trying to get in like medical device sales and you know I got I get out in this pharmaceutical sales world you know never had a job a real job in my life right you know I, I had a couple like part-time jobs and off seasons, you know, used to work at the glaze honey ham shop in Lubbock. I don't know if you ever went there, Luke. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know where it is. <laughs> yeah. That was my off season job. Uh, Matt Miller's uncle, remember Matt Miller, the left-handed pitcher, his uncle on that, on the, the ham mm-hmm. store there. And I, he was awesome. They took care of me and they, they helped us out in the off season and, you know, I worked up for them. But, um, you know, other than that, I, you know, whether baseball was the only job I had. And so, get in the real, the real world and, you know, working in the, you know, competitive sales, corporate America. And like, literally I'll, I'll go through this training and I'll, I'll give it to them. The training is pretty tough. I mean, they put you through the ringer a little bit, but I, here I go, you know, they, I go out and I'm start, I got my territory. I'm and my territory is horrible. Like 260th out of, you know, 300 or whatever in the, in the country in my territory. And literally, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just, I just, you know, put the put this bootstraps on and showed up to work every day. I ran my routes and did what they told me to do. I put in a full day's work and 
like literally in six months, I still didn't know what I was doing. And I, I went from like 260 to like 150. And I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm just showing up. I'm going everywhere. Right? <laughs> and and then about nine months, I start figuring it out. Like, all right, I'm starting to get more efficient. Like, you know, I'm starting to figure out what, what I need to do, who I need to talk to. I'm building relationships. And then I get up to like 75th or whatever, like 50 after nine months. And a year into it, I was number one in the country. Nice. In, nice. in my territory. And literally, it just shows you what, what hard work will do. Yeah. And that's just, and I didn't, I didn't know I was doing anything different, but compared to the average person out there, you know, I think military is the same way. I mean, I think, you know, you have that in, instinct to work hard, show up every day, you know, put a full day's work in. And, you know, I think that's, you know, I was, you know, I tell like my brother-in-law this when he was younger is like, dude, you got to be a one percent or you got to be, you know, it's not, it's not hard. You just got to be willing to do what the other 99% isn't. And no, the other 99% is not willing to work hard. And so if you're willing to put in the extra work and, and show up and not work, you can you can do a lot in, in the in the world, let alone in corporate America when you're dealing with a, the, the average population. So, you know, that's kind of once I got around that and then I was able to get back in baseball, you know, I really took, you know, before that I took for granted how special the people in baseball are and how quality the people they are. And, you know, you 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 really like being around people like you and with the same same work ethic same mindset and you know iron shop sharpens iron and you know that that's kind of the the really enjoyment I get in baseball learning from these guys all the time learning from my peers and getting get, obviously get an opportunity to to work with the best the best baseball players in the world and what they do and and get a you know get an opportunity to, to even have a little bit of impact and help them a little bit is is very fulfilling um, so that's Part one, part two, after baseball, I don't, I haven't gone that far yet. <laughs> uh, you know, we're starting to get to the point where we're getting older, you know, so we're, I'm 44, Tillery just turned 46. Um, so I got a Cougar, Luke, we got the, we got the Texas Tech Cougar going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we've, we're getting to that age where we, you know, we're, you got, we got our oldest boy 17, so college is on the horizon, and then our youngest boy is 11. Um, so a little bit of planning for college and then, you know, obviously a little bit of, you know, trying to get to a point where we can retire at some point. So we're, you know, that type of stuff is, is coming to picture. And, you know, I, I'd like to stay in baseball, you know, as long as possible. Um, you know, I'd like to work at least for another, you know, another 10, 10 to 12 years in, in professional baseball, um, in some capacity, you know, I'd, I'd love to keep doing what I'm doing at, at the moment. And then, you know, from there, I don't know what's what, what's going to happen. We'll, you know, hopefully we'll be able to go. And Tillery's always wanted to retire on a beach somewhere, so hopefully we'll be in a situation where we can get her that that uh, get her toes in the sand, and she deserves it to put up with me for this long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. I got uh, so we got we got two final questions for you, and you kind of uh, you know you spoke to it a little bit there in the in the first part of your answer. What do you tell What do you tell those young kids coming up right now who are out out playing baseball and, and they've got the dream, you know, of being there Game Seven World Series? Uh, what, what advice do you give those kids? I mean, uh, yeah, I think I I definitely touched it. I mean, you just got to work. You got to be willing to work, put in the work, and you know, you got to exhaust every resource and opportunity that you have to to make yourself the best version of you. You know, that's that's the number one. I, th I think you got to embrace your individuality and, and your strengths and weaknesses as a, as a human. And, 
enhance those, enhance your strengths, minimize your weaknesses, and attack those every day and and work. You got to be willing to work harder than everybody else. Um, you know, I think that's it's simple. You know, it's really it's really simple. Not easy to do. You know, it's not easy to, <laughs> yeah. to get up and work and and do those things to to separate yourself from the competition. But that's kind of the one of the things that I always had. You know, kind of a kind of an innate thing for me is I always picture myself competing against, you know, like, all right, each level you go up from, you know, once you get into college, right? And and so trying to be one of the best college players in the country, which I was able to accomplish. And all of a sudden I get into pro ball and I'm looking around and now you got, you know, I was a big 12 player of the year my senior year and I'm looking around, all right, all right now we got the SEC player of the year and we got this guy, you know, he's a player here at his conference and then we got all these other All-American guys here and plus the best high school players in the country and you know, like, how do I separate myself from those guys? And, you know, again, it's hard work. It's, you know, one of the things that I, I do well and I got to continue to do those things. And then my weaknesses, I got to attack them, you know, so I got to put in extra work to, to be efficient across the board and well-balanced. And you know, I think that constant pursuit of, of that is, is what drives you and what separates, separates you and allows you to do things that, you know, a lot of people can't. Yeah. Amen to that. And so last question are we going to see baseball on, uh, on TV this year? Or are we going to have, you know, are we going to get to go to games this year? What, uh, you know, what are you hearing and kind of what's the temperature in the clubhouse? You know, I know you guys, you know, chomping at the bit to get back on the field or, you know, what's, uh, what's going on with that? For sure. I mean, I, I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I honestly, it's whatever you're seeing in the media and hearing the media is very similar to what we're, we're what we're hearing and seeing. Um, you know, I, I'm obviously hoping that we we play baseball. I'm I'm hopeful that we're we're going to get there at some point in time. Obviously, there's going to have to be some uh, some different adjustments that we're going to have to make to make it possible. Um, you know, I I can envision games with no fans in the stands starting out. Um, maybe you know playing in certain parts of the country um, that haven't been hit as bad. Um, trying to get creative stuff like that. I think that's our best opportunity to play the soonest. Um, hopeful at some point in time, we, everybody can get back to their home cities and play and, and play in front of the fans. I'm not sure if that's going to be possible this year or not. Um, but I'm hoping we'll get something going here at some point in time. You know, obviously it's, we all want it. Um, but obviously there's a bigger, you know, bigger issue going on right now with the health of our country. And we got to get that under wraps first as well. But um, you know, I think as far as the guys are concerned, the hard part with, with our players is, you know, as an athlete, it's all about a start date, right? So you, whatever, whatever date that start date is, you work back from that, right? So you, there, all your programming's done, all your workouts are done, you know, you're preparing your body for a certain date to be ready to go, but we don't have a date right now. So that's the tough part. We're kind of in limbo right now. We're like telling our guys, all right, go back to like December, January, ish where you're where you're going you know from a from a body perspective preparation perspective and then you know hopefully we'll get a we'll get the green light at some point in time and they can turn it back on and and you know kind of push the gas down and and hit the ground running and and get you know a little shortened spring training i'm I'm guessing we're going to get some type of a three four week spring training and and um and hit the ground running from there yeah. In the military, we call that hurry up and wait, Joe. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> there you yeah, go. for sure. Uh, all right, Joe, we 
again, we incredibly, incredibly appreciate your time, um, especially taking the time while you're, uh, you know, trying to reconnect with the family and uh, manage that work-life balance. Um, again, thank you so much for uh, for coming in and uh, and chatting with us. We definitely appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, to talking to you again soon. And we look forward to seeing everybody out on the diamond as soon as uh, as soon as they can, so we can get baseball season underway. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, fellas, and enjoyed it. Enjoyed the time, and yeah, I look forward to getting on the diamond here. You know, when it's when it's safe, and we when we can get that done. All right, everybody, that closes out another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Again, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Don't forget to head on over, check out American Arrow Apparel for all your custom apparel needs. Keep your canteen cups full, and we'll see you next time.